Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives. And it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Good evening and welcome to Good News. This is Deacon Al Lundy of the Peoria Diocese, and we're here every weekend, Saturday and Sunday evenings, to share the good news of the gospel with you. A little follow-up from last week. If you remember what we talked about, uh, we had the gospel of the, the parable of the Pharisee and the taxpayer. And one thing I forgot to mention that I, that I want to bring out, uh, there are some of us out there who greatly misuse this, this parable. We use it as an excuse to sit at the back of the church. I, I'm amazed at the number of people who have told me this. So any of you, especially if you're Catholic, you know the joke about you walk into the Catholic church, there's always seats up front because everybody sits in the back. I've been to a couple churches, a couple masses, uh, Catholic churches where that wasn't the case. But for the most part, we tend to fill up the back of the church before we fill up the front. And when I ask people why they routinely sit at the back, this is why they bring up this gospel message and they say, well, the, the humble taxpayer, the humble uh, tax collector, rather, who didn't want to seem arrogant like the Pharisee who walked to the front of the church, the humble taxpayer, uh, tax collector stood at the back of the church, bowed his head, and, and stayed humble before God. If that's the message you're getting from that gospel, you're misunderstanding, you're not going deep enough. Christ calls us to come to him. And in all the other parables and in all the other gospel stories we hear, people are pressing up against him, trying to get as close as they can to him. And yet when it comes to Sunday Mass, we have people who try and get as far away from the altar as they can possibly get. And Christ is present certainly in us, in, in the congregation, but Christ is most present at the altar and in the tabernacle and in the in the uh, Gospels. And those are all up front with the priest who's there in persona Christi. We should be pressing to be at the front of the church, not using this one parable as an excuse to be close to an exit. And, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, that's why a lot of people sit at the back of the church is so they can make a, a hasty retreat. And that shouldn't be what's foremost in your mind when you come to Mass. It should be about bringing yourself close to Christ. And we, we, we want you up front. We want you close to the action. We want you to feel like you're embedded in the Mass, like, this is, like you're surrounded by it, not that it's something that you view off at a distance. So if that's what you're using this parable for, Throw that thought away. That's wrong thinking. Uh, pay attention to the rest of the Gospels where people are trying to press up against Christ as close as they can to get the best view that they can. We're going to hear about a good view of, of someone really wanting and going to great lengths to get a good view of Christ and get as close as he can to him uh, physically uh, in, in today's Gospel. So please remember that. I'll also touch a little bit on the... Uh, the mailbag question we we answered last week about um, priests from the uh, uh, English uh, church 
coming in from the Church of England coming into the Catholic Church. And yes, uh, that is under very controlled circumstances, something the Church allows. And it also goes to another question that, that's been asked about uh, married priests in the Church. When will the Catholic Church allow married priests? Well, the Catholic Church allows married priests now. Uh, we have 24 rites in the, in the Catholic Church. Uh, the Latin rite is the largest. But the Eastern rites, the other 23 rites that make up the Eastern rites of the, of the Catholic Church, all allow for married men to become priests. In the Latin Church, uh, we allow for uh, priests from the uh, Church of England who become Catholic priests, if they're married prior to uh, becoming a Catholic priest, if they're already married, we don't make them give up their wives and families. So we do allow married priests into the Latin rite under very guarded conditions. So uh, if you're asking when's that going to happen, that's been happening for a long, long time. We've had married priests in the Catholic Church for quite a while. We don't in the, in the Latin Church. Uh, and that's simply, it's not, a, it's not a dogmatic teaching of the Church. It's not even a doctrine of the Church. It's, it's simply an exercise of discipline uh, that the Church uses. Uh, we find it, uh, it came actually out of the orders, uh, the various orders like the Franciscans and the, and the Jesuits. Uh, it was a way of, of focusing uh, a man's uh, attention and energies onto being a priest for Christ without the distractions of, of the family. Uh, as a deacon, I'm, I'm allowed to be married prior to my ordination and have a family, if you are not married and become a deacon, you cannot marry after ordination. But I can tell you that it's, I wouldn't call it a distraction, but certainly there are times where it's necessary to put my family before my ministry. And you can imagine with, with a priest who is the primary minister, at, oftentimes now for more than one congregation, that if they had a family with, where the wife was ill or the children were ill, uh, and uh, that that needed his attention more. I mean, we'd, we'd see masses getting canceled. We'd see uh, people uh, in in need of the sacraments who wouldn't be able to get them because of the distraction of family. And so in the Latin church, uh, they have a discipline of the priests not being married. But in our Eastern uh, Catholic churches, all those rites, uh, they do allow married men to become ordained. They cannot become bishops but they can become priests. That's just a little little trivia on, on the church to share with you. Uh, our readings today, we've got uh, a book of wisdom. We've got our uh, letter of uh, Paul to the Thessalonians, and then we have another gospel from Luke. So we've pretty much wrapped up uh, Paul's letters to Timothy, and now we're into his letters to the uh, Thessalonian churches. So, uh, we're going to go through a couple of the readings, take a break, and then we'll come back and do our Gospels. Our first reading for the Book of Wisdom reads, Before the Lord, the whole universe is as a grain from a balance, or a drop of morning dew come down upon the earth. But you have mercy on all, because you can do all things, and you overlook people's sins, that they might repent. For you love all things that are, and loathe nothing that you have made. For you, for what you hated, you would not have fashioned. How can you, how could a thing remain unless you willed it 
or be preserved had it not been called forth by you. But you spare all things because they are yours. O Lord and lover of souls, for your imperishable spirit is in all things. Therefore you rebuke offenders little by little, warn them and remind them of the sins they are committing, that they may abandon their wickedness and believe in you. The word of the Lord. So in in, uh, our reading from Sirach last week and in Wisdom this week, we're learning about the character of God. We're being uh, we're being informed about what we should know. Uh, we can't know everything about God, but there's a lot we can know, and there's a lot that's been revealed to us. And there's some very important things in our readings today from wisdom that we need to take into consideration. It's it's sad. I, I speak to to people uh, quite frequently, young people especially, who think <clears throat> who think that God doesn't love them that they've been overlooked, or, or even worse, that, that God is actively working against them. And that's simply not true. God loves us, each one of us, individually, personally. He created us out of love. There's no one created that God doesn't love. And then people will very quickly say, well, what about Hitler? Or they'll bring up Jeffrey Dahmer, or they'll bring up the, um, some other despot from, from world history. They too were created out of love. They were not created to be, to be the people they chose to become. Uh, no one made them do that. Their choices to turn away from God and to act in disobedience to God was their choice alone. Uh, God was certainly... Uh, I don't say God's disappointed. I, I can't say that God feels those kind of feelings. But it's not what God intended. His intention was to be in a loving relationship with all of his creation and each of his creations. So why didn't God just wipe them out? Why didn't God just send down lightning and zap Hitler and it's done and we wouldn't have to do any of that war stuff, right? We wouldn't have any of the death camps any of the concentration camps. Why didn't God do that? Well, in the book of wisdom, it tells us that God works to change us a little bit at a time. He doesn't, he doesn't just smack us around like that. He, he sends us, sends us people's, people into our lives to help redirect us. He sends events in our lives to redirect us. But he counts on our cooperation it, it requires our cooperation. God gives us free will, and in that free will, we can accept his help and his guidance or we can reject it, and some people reject it. If you feel like God doesn't love you, God hasn't turned his back on you. You've somehow turned your back on God. You've, you've taken what he's tried to teach you and you've rejected it or you've ignored it. God says through many things, through the people you know, through scripture and the mass, through the homilies that the, the priests and the deacons give, God sends out all kinds of messages to show his love to you and to bring you back into that love. But you have to cooperate with it. So our, our reading from Wisdom today tells us about how persistent God is in trying to little by little 
turn our will back to him, turn our, our desire and our love back to him, that he doesn't just, doesn't just punish us outright for every little offense. He ignores a lot of our adf- uh, uh, offenses. My gosh, think about, uh, think about all the times you've been rude to somebody. I, mean, I catch myself every now and then, bad mood, tired, overworked, whatever, and I think, you know, I could have said that nicer. And I go back and I said, I'm, I'm sorry for what I said. Here's what I should have said. Here's what I meant to say. God sees those, every one of those offenses and he ignores a lot of them, pays attention to the big stuff. But he asks us to start paying attention to the little stuff. So keep that in mind that you are made from God's love and you were designed to be in a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father, and that He does not punish you for little things, and He gives you many, many opportunities to find your way back to Him. We'll uh, we'll stop here. We'll come back with our second reading in our Gospel. Right after these messages, you're listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio. Stay tuned. Good News will be right back on Catholic Spirit Radio. Three Kings Gifts has sacramental and seasonal gifts, religious medals, rosaries, and more on the College Avenue Epiphany Church campus in Normal. Three Kings Gifts is open 10 to 3.30 on Thursday and Friday, 8 to 1 on Sunday. Profits help charitable organizations. Help spread the word. Catholic Spirit Radio welcomes Morris and Joliet and their surrounding communities to our listening audience on 89.3 FM. Catholic Spirit Radio broadcasts 24 hours a day, has a listening app, a website with resources, and a Facebook presence. With news, talk shows, and prayer opportunities, Catholic Spirit Radio brings the beauty, truth, and genius of our faith to listeners in central and northern Illinois, now serving Morris and Joliet on 89.3 FM. Help spread the word. And welcome back to Good News. This is Deacon Al. If you want to uh, have a question answered about your Catholic faith or Christianity or just religion in general, I'll do my best to answer your questions uh, using the resources of the Catholic Church. You can send your questions to our email box at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.org. And we'll be happy to answer your questions on the air. I've got one here that, that will answer really quickly, and that had to do with uh, communion, with receiving communion. Someone asked, do you have to bow before receiving communion? There's not a lot you have to do in the Catholic Church. Uh, there's things you should do. There's things you should want to do. Uh, there's things that you should be moved to do. Certainly, when you're going to come into contact with the body and blood of Christ, you should show reverence. You should be in awe of that moment. And so the church asks that you show a sign of reverence. If you're capable of a what we call a profound bow, it's bowing at the waist, that is the appropriate thing to do when coming up for communion if you're not going to kneel. If you're going to kneel, you don't need to kneel and bow. I have I've, I have one parishioner, I, I, I love her dearly, but she bows and then she kneels down. You don't need to do both. Either one shows the same amount of reverence. So a profound bow and then extend your hands out 
again, we talk about it being like a throne where one hand goes below the other and you you stretch your arms out and your, your hands become a throne to set uh, for the body of Christ to set in. And then after you receive, uh, you should make the sign, you should step to the side and make the sign of the cross, which is in itself a, a prayer. If you bow down, you don't need to, uh, I mean, if you kneel down, you don't need to bow. And again, after receiving, you should make the sign of the cross. So, must you bow? No, but you should want to bow, you, or should, you should want to kneel. You should want to show reverence. If you can't do a profound bow, you could do a slight bow. That's one where you just bow your head. Maybe you've got back and neck problems and you can't do that. Then just uh, make the sign of the cross. Just some sign of reverence prior to receiving is, is all the church uh, requests. Okay, our second reading from this Sunday, we went through our first reading, which was from Wisdom. Our second reading is from Second uh, Th- uh, Thessalonians. This is a letter from Paul. And he writes, Brothers and sisters, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and powerfully bring to fulfillment every good purpose and every effort of faith, that the name of the Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, in accordance with the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. We ask you, brothers and sisters, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our assembling with him, not to be shaken out of your minds suddenly, or to be alarmed either by a spirit, in quotes, or by an oral statement, or by a letter allegedly from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is at hand. The word of the Lord. Isn't that neat how things never change? Never change. The the hurdles that we saw in apostolic times uh, were present in the day of Moses and are even present today. In this last section of this reading, Paul's saying, don't worry if somebody claiming to know says the end of the world is coming. Don't listen to them. Don't panic. We have that today. We still have people. There's one out now. I think the world is supposed to end February... 20-something of 20, maybe, yeah, Feb 20-something of 23, I think it was. Mm. It's just crazy. Someone's always coming out saying, the world's about to end, and they give you the date. Oh, my gosh. What what a huge waste of time. Everybody looks for their 15 minutes of fame. Paul tells us now, as he, as he told the Thessalonians 2,000 years ago, don't be shaken by this. Pay no attention to this. You're going to have people who say they were moved by the Spirit to make this announcement or that they, they've, they've found a, a secret code in the Scriptures. That's one of my favorites. And they've figured out when the end of the world is going to be. Pay no attention. Don't panic. Ignore it. Uh, this is a bigger scam than, uh, remember when, the, when we hit the 21st century and uh, the, the K2000, whatever, the the computers were going to shut down all over the world, you know, the Armageddon and nothing, nothing happened. I, I had trouble resetting my clock. That, that was about the extent of it. Uh, certainly, resetting my clock is not the end of the world. It's sometimes the, the end of my, uh, my, uh, my nerve, but not the end of the world. So uh, Paul says, pay no attention to that. But I like what he says in the first half even better. And that is, he prays for his faithful all the time. And he, he prays that they uh, be in, in good stead with God, that they, they be ready for him uh, at the second coming. 
But he talks about praying always. Uh, a big part of Paul's message is perseverance. And this is a big part of uh, Jesus's message too, about persevering in faith. It's easy to be misled, especially if you're not well-informed in, in what your faith teaches, in the doctrines, in the scripture. Uh, the less you know about your faith, the easier it is for you to be led away. So you owe it to your own hope in Christ, your own faith in Christ, to be a well-informed Catholic. Uh, you can't share what you don't have. So if you hope at some point to, uh, to help a friend or a loved one regain their, uh, their relationship with Christ— if you don't have one, how can you guide them to one? It's that old blind leading the blind uh, verse from Scripture. So you need to be well-informed, and you, you need to pray. So much of our relationship with Christ is through prayer, and that's something that, that Paul emphasizes in this reading. We always pray for you that God may make you worthy of his calling. So he's always praying that God is active in your life. We pray for that for you as well. In fact, we pray at every Mass for that. Uh, as, as a standard part of, of the Mass, uh, we hear these words. So pray for each other, pray for your family, pray for yourselves, uh, and continue to pray. Be Persevere in your faith. Uh, it's just like uh, if, if you're learning to play a musical instrument, you don't pick it up once and uh, a guitar once and strum a few chords and say, I can't do this. You know, you've got you've to practice and practice and practice uh, to, to get good at it and practice even more to be accomplished at it. Don't think that your faith is any easier than that. Um, it's just a matter of practice. Uh, so be persevere in, in, in prayer and persevere in your acts of charity to others. And that's what will bring you in relationship with Christ. Our gospel, uh, we continue with Luke. We'll be hearing from Luke a little bit longer, and then we're going to head into Advent. Luke writes, At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and a wealthy man, who was seeking to see who Jesus was. But he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. Another reason not to be at the back of the church. If you're short, don't be in the back pews. You can't see what's going on. You'll be like Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they all saw this, they began to grumble, saying, He's gone to stay at the house of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll repay them four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost, the gospel of the Lord. So what are some of the reoccurring themes we see in Zacchaeus? Well, one is prayer. Zacchaeus really wanted to see God. Isn't that what we pray for? We really want to meet Christ. We want to be in relationship with Christ. So 
Zacchaeus, rather than being at the back of the church like our tax collector last year, uh, last week, he wants to see Jesus up close and personal. So he sees the route that, that Jesus is walking on, and he climbs a tree because he can't see over the crowd. So not only can he see Jesus, Jesus can see him pretty easily because I'm, I'm getting guessing there weren't a lot of people up in trees uh, when Jesus was walking by. It had to be a pretty unique sight to see this little, this old, older guy, little guy, climbing up a tree just to see him. So he orders him down, and he says, I'm coming home with you today. Why do you think he did that? I think he did that because Zacchaeus showed so much desire in wanting to be with Christ. So Christ responded to that. That's a, that really is a, a type of prayer. And Jesus responded to that with him and says, I'm going home with you. I hope when you come to Mass on Sundays— that you leave with that same feeling, that you've, you've gone there to have an encounter with Christ. And when it's over, Christ says, I'm going home with you. I don't stay here. I'm leaving with you. I'm going to be with you in your home, in, in your own uh, personality, in your own soul. So through our enthusiasm for wanting to, to be close to Jesus, he wants to be close to us in, in return. That doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. God loves us and desires to be with us. Christ, God incarnate, loves us and wants to be with us. And he, all he asks in return is that we want to be with him as, as Zacchaeus wanted to be with him. I also like the fact that once Zacchaeus established that relationship with Christ, what did his attention turn to? It, it turned to his sin, and it turned to his charity. Once he established that relationship with Christ, he gave half of everything he had to the poor. And then he said, whatever I've done wrong in my life, I will correct. Whoever I've extorted, I will return their money. We should all have that feeling about our sins. We should all feel whoever we've done wrong will, will atone for that. Not not because of the reward that waits us, but simply out of, out of love for Christ, that we want to do what, what pleases Christ. So Zacchaeus is certainly fast-tracking that. He's, at first, he just wanted to see him. And now he's devoted himself to Jesus and, and to Jesus' teaching uh, in, in very quickly. And what caused that was simply the desire to be close to Christ and Christ's acceptance of that and, and accepting Zacchaeus' invitation. So let us be invitational people uh, in our lives. Let us invite Christ in through our prayer, through our charity, through our love for neighbor. Until next week, I hope your life is filled with good news. This is Deacon Al. Have a blessed weekend. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.